Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Dan's looking for leftovers. So <laughs> let's say this together. The word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Well, God loves you today, and he's made a way for you where there was no way. Uh, we're going to share a word today that I believe the Lord has been speaking to me when I was preparing, um, you know, worship and music for the holiday season. I just uh, was really uh, focused on that God was so good that he sent his son from heaven and uh, amazing love entered the earth, really, when Jesus came. But uh, he came to open the door for us so that we could every day uh, have communication with the Lord. We don't have to wait till we get with someone who knows how to pray or get to, to church to, to hear from God. We can hear from God 24-7 because of the door that Jesus opened. And uh, I want to speak to you today about help from heaven. Uh, I believe that in our own lives, every day, uh, there's situations where we need God's help. How many of you would say, that's that's me, that's where I live? But oftentimes, uh, because we've become so um, intelligent, uh, we've become so techy, we've become so knowledgeable in the world today, and there's, it's so easy. You know, uh, one day my grandson called me, and, and he said, can you pick me up? And uh, I said, well, sure. Uh, he said, my dad can't come get me. My mom's busy. And uh, I said, sure, where are you? And he goes, well, um, I don't know exactly how to tell you to, to get here. I thought, you don't know where you are? Hallelujah. He's 16, and he's driving now. Isn't that exciting? But anyway, he wasn't driving yet. And uh, he said to me, uh, so we're, I'm texting, you know. So he texts back to me uh, an address. And so I text back, where is this? And he texts back, Google it. <laughs> so, you know, he doesn't have to know where he is because he has a phone. And he has a phone that he puts the address in. And the address gives a map. And then that's what he goes by to get there. And, uh, you know, his dad was telling me the other day, he told him, come and help me paint. I'm downtown. Well, he said, where is that? And so... <laughs> He wanted an address, so Job gave him an address. Well, it happened that where he lives, he's close to Dayton, and there's the same street in Dayton as there is downtown. So he's out in Dayton driving around, texts his dad and says, where are you? He said, I'm downtown. He says, so am I <laughs> in Dayton. <laughs> and Job said, no, Lafayette. Well, see, sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes you can't count on other people to tell you what to do. You can't count on your phone to tell you what to do. My husband and I went to Missouri to celebrate Bonnie Beadle. I, a lot of you may not know her, but she's a uh, lady that came to Tulsa that in 1984 when my husband was in Bible school, became a dear friend of ours, came here, helped us start this church. And she had a birthday celebration yesterday, and we drove to Missouri. And we used uh, that map to get us where we're going. Now, that map was not exactly right because it said, if you go this way, it takes this long. If you go this way, it takes this long. But if you go this way, it's supposed to take the same amount of time. It's got a lot of two-lane roads, and this one's all interstate. How many of you know that doesn't compute to be the same? So, you know, we live in, in a word, world that's so techy and so knowledgeable, and people are very knowledgeable. You know, we have all kinds of counselors today in our world. You know, you can get a counselor. They even specialize. Doctors specialize. Everybody has a lot of knowledge, but there's only one person 
that knows what to do with you. And that's God who created you. Amen. The Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, you know, when the Trinity is uh, a part of who you are, then your life is totally safe. All the other things uh, can bring comfort, you know, to a degree. They can help you to a degree. But who we really need to get our help from is from God. And I believe in the world we're in, sometimes even in the church, we have so many books we can read. We have so many materials we can get a hold of that we begin to count on what other people know to be what we know instead of what God knows. And I have learned in my years of experience as a pastor, as a mom, uh, as a grandma, that only God knows some of these things. I, the word supports what God tells me, but I have to have clear direction, and I need my help to come from the Lord. And uh, years ago, this psalm, if you would put that up, we're going to look at this psalm. It, it, it's um, the psalm that in my life made a huge difference, especially when I was a single mom. You know, when you're a single mom and you don't have anybody else to help you, and my message is gone, so I'm just going to be winging this. Hallelujah, turn to Psalm 121. I don't know where it went, but it's not here anymore. Um, this is what it says. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Everybody say to the hills. Now that just doesn't mean you wander around looking up or you're going to run into something. I mean, you're looking up to someone from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will preserve you from all evil. Would you all say that to me with me? The Lord will preserve me from all evil. Now, how many of you would agree that evil has intensified in our world and all around us? Uh, I feel like the Lord has given me this word. I'm going to share it next week with the women um, and I, and I don't know exactly how God's going to have me do it there, but for 2017 to fortify families, everybody say fortify families. The devil is really coming against families. He's, he's destroying families. I mean, literally tearing them apart, Christian and non-Christian. And when, when I begin to look at the state of our nation, uh, and you know, we're looking for people, my husband preached a message. We need to have people in high places that uh, will stand up for truth and for righteousness. Well, those people are going to come out of somebody's home. Don't get too excited, but that's the truth. They're, those are your children. Those are your grandchildren. That's, that's who these people that we're going to need, that, that's who they are. And the enemy knows that. So, you, you, you know, we can be going along and just getting along, but we have to change what we see. And our help comes from heaven to change what we see, not what we know, not what we've already learned. You know, if God's going to do new things, that means you don't know it yet. Is that a revelation? I mean, if God's going to do something new in your life, that means you don't have any input yet. So you're going to have to hear from heaven to know what that is. That's what Christmas is all about. God wanted us to be able to hear from heaven. He wanted us to be able to have a savior, someone who could deliver us. And uh, thank you, Luann, by the way, for all of our Christmas and for Hannah and for Mary and for Gail and who else? Shane and Heather, who came yesterday and decorated everything here. Uh, this is what we call Advent, the first 
first part of Christmas, first Sunday of Advent. And so I always look at that time of year to what God wants to say to us as a church. He, he has different messages for all churches because all of us have a different thing we're supposed to be doing. We have a part to play, but we're part of a whole. And so I believe our part in this church is to begin to seek God and look for help from heaven in our families, for, for the situations where we work, wherever we are. And God will hold on to us. But if we're not holding on to God, then we're not going to be able to be who God wants us to be, especially in this Christmas season. And, and in Genesis, you know, uh, sometimes it seems like God's slow, but God has perfect timing. Everybody say perfect timing, perfect timing. In Genesis, he said that he was going to fix Adam and Eve's mess. And I'm paraphrasing, but he said he would send Jesus. He would send a Messiah. He would send a deliverer. Well, that took a long time. You know, if if you read all the Old Covenant, which if you go through the Bible, that's a lot of stories in the Old Covenant. And then you get into Matthew and, of course, begins to tell the story of Jesus. Uh, And then we know in Luke, it tells the story of of Jesus' birth. Well, the promise was manifest. Jesus came. And then, of course, the end of the story was Calvary when Jesus died for our sins and made a way for us in heaven. Uh, at that time, God sent the helper. Everybody say the helper. And that's, what, that's what the Holy Spirit is called, the helper. Everybody say, my help comes from heaven. And this is what it says about the helper in John fourteen twenty six that God, through the, the process that he did through sending Jesus and Jesus dying on the cross, the end result was we were left with a helper. Everybody say helper. And that helper is the voice that's on the inside of us that we're supposed to look to the father to have the information that we know for every situation. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Everybody say all things. You know, um, I look at Facebook. Uh, I'm a I call myself a stalker, not a talker. Um, Because, you know, occasionally I'll put something on there, but, you know, uh, I don't really, I'm not really that kind of personality or whatever. I don't just share everything on Facebook, but I like looking at Facebook because I see what people are saying and I know what's in their heart. Now, don't all of you pass out at the same time because of what you posted, but you do see, you do see out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks and it seems easier for people to speak to on Facebook than it does in person. And so you get to hear where people are at and maybe why you, they do the things they do because you hear their heart and you see, you know, what's going on. God is in us every single day. And just like um, when you go to a counselor and you expect them to give you counsel, the Bible says that he is the counselor that he is the counselor that can teach you all things. Everybody say all things. Now, I believe in counseling. Uh, you know, we, we counsel in this church. We, we, we give input. We, we listen and we, we give what the, we feel the Holy Spirit is saying. So I'm not against people giving counsel. But ultimately, if you hear from God, you will have count, the confidence to follow the counsel. Does that make sense? Somebody else telling us does not always give us the confidence to do what God wants us to do. They can encourage us, but everything has to come from the inside out. 
and in the day we're living in, we have so much information out there that it's important that we first ask the Father. We ask the Lord, what are we supposed to do in this situation? And I want to tell you why in a minute, but I want to look at Isaiah uh, chapter 9, 6 and 7. And uh, this is what it says about Jesus. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government, everybody say government, will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Do you see that word counselor there? Counselor. The Holy Spirit is the counselor. That's what he is. And then verse 7, of the increase of his government... And peace, there will be no end. In other words, the kingdom of God is supposed to be increasing, not decreasing, and the enemy increasing, but the kingdom of God increasing, and the enemy being put in the position where he's supposed to be. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it, establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal, everybody say zeal, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Zeal means eagerness or passion. Turn your neighbor and say, I am passionate. Now, just for a second, what are you passionate about? We have to be passionate about the things of God. Amen. But, you know, we can have passion about other things, but that has to be your passion. And it says the government. Would you say government? How many of you know we've had a good focus at government? How many of you know every day we get a good look at what government's doing, but just by what's going on all around us? But the government that we are a part of is the kingdom of God. And this government is ruled by a warrior. Turn to your neighbor and say a warrior. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Uh, the Lord of hosts. Everybody say the Lord of hosts. That's, that's what God, that's one of the names of God. This morning, um, Kelly uh, shared about Jehovah Jireh. But Jehovah, um, there's the Lord of hosts, which is Sabaoth. Uh, I want to read this to you. Uh, this is from a book about the names of God. You know, the names of God reveal his character. They reveal who he is and what he'll do. And uh, so when, when you look at this book, this is a great book to get. The names of God has lots of different names God called himself by. But he called himself a warrior. The term the Lord of hosts is cited 282 times. Do you know the first war there ever was was in heaven? It was the war between God and Satan. And Satan got thrown out of heaven. He was thrown out with a third of the angels. And so today, those demons and the devil, you know, roam about the earth. But listen, Jesus also has thrown him out of every believer's life through Jesus. Amen? So he's in the same position with you that he was with God. Can you get this revelation today? But we have to be a warrior. We have to have that same spirit. It says we have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Well, that's a warrior spirit. Part of that is a warrior spirit. There's different characteristics, but we are the people of God. So we operate differently than the world. It says in, uh, I think it's Matthew eleven twelve 12, that Always the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, but the violent take it by force. A warrior spirit, someone that God has placed in the earth with a purpose. And it says, our God is a warrior. He is a fighter, and we are in his army. And then it says, we must understand his character to appreciate the Lord of hosts. The Lord of battles 
can tell us exactly how to stand against the strategies of the enemy. He can counsel us. Everybody say, counsel me on how to fight and how to win our victories. Say, I'm a winner. We are winners. And uh, as I've watched through this election time and just uh, my husband, of course, you know, a lot of the end times things that we're seeing manifested. I don't know when Jesus is coming. I can honestly stand up here as the pastor of this church and I have not heard God say, I'm coming such and such. Or I don't really hear God saying a lot about that. I hear God saying a lot about take charge. (laughs) Take charge in the earth of the things I've told you to take charge of. Why is that? Because good and evil are warring. This is not a Republican Democrat problem we have here, people. It's not Trump and Clinton. It's good and evil warring, 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 warring against everybody. And the devil, he doesn't, he's not particular. He'll destroy anybody. He doesn't have a favorite. And so we have to keep our focus on what the word of God says and begin to walk in that authority that God has given us to walk in. When I was looking at the word of God and I looked at this word, Lord of hosts, or the Lord of hosts, the Lord Sabaoth, uh, in 1 Samuel 17, you all know the story of David and Goliath. It says in 1 Samuel 17, 45 through 47, the day, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of, who is that? The warrior, the Lord of battles. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Would you go on with that? This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. This day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and wild beasts of the earth that are all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with a sword and a spear, but the battle is the Lord's. Everybody saw the Lord of hosts. And we are in his army. And he will give you into our hands. And that's the way we have to begin to live, especially in the hour that we're living in. Uh, I encourage all of you, just as a side note, this is the time to pray for our nation. The battle is not over just because we elected a president. Evil and good are still warring. The truth of the word of God and what it says is being challenged all over the world. But it's this nation that we're responsible for. This is the nation we live in. This is the nation where every day we live and our children live and our future in those children live. And so we are the warriors that will fight this battle. Uh, God never gives up on his people. You know, I've been reading through the Bible and this year. I'm just in Jeremiah. I just finished Jeremiah. I got a little bit more to read. But in the book of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, those chapters uh, in those books are about Israel going to Babylon. They're going to go in timeout. Can you just, I'll just give you that. Like, y'all understand timeout if you have kids? You know, you're going over here till you get it right. And uh, so God just took his children because they had disobeyed him for so long that he was so upset with them that he put them in timeout and he put them in Babylon. And for that time, that 70 years, because they had disobeyed him concerning the Sabbath, taking the day of rest, basically what they did was, and if you read those books, you will see, he says, they stopped seeking me. 
and they started seeking everybody else. They started seeking counsel from the enemy uh, with witchcraft and occult and all those things. They started seeking counsel from people, and when they started seeking counsel from other people, then they were disobedient and saying that they did not believe I was God. And that's basically why they ended up in the mess. When I was reading this, it was all during September, October, and, and November, those chapters. And I thought, America is d in trouble because it sounds like us. Read them. You will see. You will see the state we're in in our nation and nations of the world when you read those books. And I thought, Lord, have mercy on us. That's what I begin to pray. God, have mercy on us and help us to correct where we are in our lives and in our world. We have an opportunity to bring Jesus into every situation that we're in. But we have to have that kind of spirit on us that is a warrior spirit. Everybody say warrior. Now, I know that seems funny at Christmas because, you know, usually we're talking about a baby and singing about love and joy and peace and all those things are real. But in us, we have to begin to rise up from the inside out and let Jehovah, Jehovah this Jehovah Sabaoth, the, the warrior that takes the things by force. Everybody say by force. Now, remember, this isn't people. These are spirits. These are powers and principalities that are stealing the young people of the world. They are stealing old people of the world. They are stealing families. And so we have a, we have a responsibility as a church to take charge in those arenas. Uh, years ago, when I was by myself um, in Tulsa, well, actually, my husband was in Bible school, but I had a lot of time to myself. And, you know, have you ever tried to fix things yourself or tried to um, take the advice of someone else and then try to fix it? And uh, I, I, I went off to Egypt is what God told me. Everybody say, don't go off to Egypt. <laughs> and uh, I didn't really understand, but things weren't going the way I wanted them to. And uh, I kept thinking, I'm doing, what I, I, I'm doing everything I know to do. But what I was doing was I was consulting with others more than I was consulting with the Lord. You know, when you get around really spiritual people, it's really easy to want them to kind of tell you. <laughs> Can I just call you up and you pray for me and give me what I need? Do you have a word? I've had that happen here in this church. People call me and say, do you have a word for me, Pastor Pam? Well, no, I don't because I'm not God. But God surely has a word for you today. If you'll ask him, he'll tell you. Now, there are times where, you know, the gifts of the Spirit, we do have words for people. But it's God. When he does it, it's real. And we can function in confidence with it. And so um, this is what it says, feudal confidence in Egypt. Now, you know, the children of Israel, God delivered them from Egypt. He delivered them in miraculous ways. But when they got in trouble, they wanted to go back to Egypt to get their help. How many of you have ever gone back to something to get help that you know that God already delivered you from that? But there you go, running right there to get what you need. But it's not what you need. And so this is what I heard. It, it really... Uh, I made a different decision after I read this. Who, woe to the rebellious, rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel. Everybody say counsel. But not of me. And who devise plans, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. Who walk to go down to Egypt and have not asked my advice to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore, the strength of Pharaoh shall be your shame and the trust in the shadow of Egypt shall be your humiliation. Everybody say, uh-oh. You know, God is serious about this. He wants us to seek his counsel, 
not the counsel of men. You know, I, as I read in Jeremiah, I saw this, though, um, because this is also talking about before they went to Babylon. Um, even, even when they did so much wrong, he said, I'm going to restore them. And he called himself the Lord of hosts. He said, I, the Lord of hosts, will restore them. And he did. Even though they got put in time out, the end of the story was they got restored. Everybody said, that's good news. How many of you have ever been in time out? I've been in time out. You know, uh, as a young person, I was very mouthy. In fact, I lived a lot of my life in my room <laughs> because my mother sent me there. And, uh, you know, I, I, just, I just always had something to say. And, uh, you know, I, it wasn't, <laughs> I just had to say it, you know. And so that's called rebellion when you're not supposed to be saying what you're saying. And uh, it took me a long time, you know, to, to understand that, you know, my, my words should be God's words. Uh, you know, my things that I say uh, that have influence should be what the Holy Spirit say and not, not what I think about the situation. And, and as I read this, it says, woe to those who go down to Egypt in 31. Again, chapter 31, he says it all over again. Everybody say, God says what he means. And that's what he said to the children of Israel. Woe to you. There's going to be trouble. You're going to go in time out. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses and who trust in chariots because there are many. That would be the, the military. You're trusting in their strength of the military and in horsemen because they are very strong. But who do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. And so they ended up in that place. They ended up in that time out. But, you know, even in the time out, when God said, I will restore you at the same time, he said, and those who have treated you meanly, those who have done things against you, I will destroy them with fire, he says. You can read it in Jeremiah 51, 58. At the very end of the story, he says, I'm going to restore Israel and Judah. He said, now you, go, you have to go there. Everybody say you have to go there. How many of you ever had to go to time out and didn't want to stay there? I don't like time out, but he said, you're going to have to go there. But if you go there, you will live. But if you fight against what I'm trying to correct, you will be destroyed. And those who unmercifully hurt you in that place of correction, I will take care of them in the end and they will be destroyed. See, sometimes when God puts us in time out, we think, well, what about the other guy? You know, I used to think sometimes, well, what about Chris? She mouthed off. <laughs> Hallelujah. And sometimes Chris had mouthed off, and I'd say, what about her? You know, she go into her room, you know, she mouthed off. Uh, you know, that's why I was in my room a lot. Because <laughs> I always had an answer to everything. So, you know, I, I was, but when you're in rebellion, you go to time out. But we all have a tendency sometimes to, be in a little bit of rebellion in God's sight. He doesn't put us in time out to hurt us. He puts us in time out to put us in a safe place. And when we're in that safe place, if somebody does any harm to us, he'll take care of them later. But our part is to be obedient in that safe place. And when we're in that safe place, uh, sometimes we're just, we feel like we're in time out, not because we are in time out, just because of situations and circumstances that happen in our lives that other people really are responsible for. Just happens. How many of you have ever been unfairly treated? 
And sometimes we're in those places. Sometimes we're in those places because we need to be there. But regardless, we need to know that God has a plan and a purpose on the other side of that. And he will restore and he'll make it be okay. Because he wants us to become a warrior. He wants us to become those kind of people that can stand in this world and be who we're called to be and do it in faith and be who God says, this is who I need you to be. The story that this always leads me to is Daniel chapter 3 with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, they, they were in that place. They were in Babylon, and they were taken there, Daniel and those three. But they stood up for what they felt like, you know, God was telling them to do. They didn't eat what they ate, but in the end, they were promoted because they were obedient. Everybody say promotion <laughs> doesn't come from people. It comes from God. It says in the Bible, it doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from the Lord. And because of their stand, they were promoted. Well, they got promoted, but then right away, uh, there was an edict issued that you had to bow, and uh, you had to bow to Nebuchadnezzar. And, you, and if you didn't, then you were going to you know, be killed. And so there was this challenge. They said, we're going to bow to only God, not, not to this king. How many of you know there's situations sometimes that, that demand that you bow to it, and you know, I shouldn't be bound to this? That's when that warrior spirit has to stand up. They had that warrior spirit. And they said, we are not going to bow. We will bow only to God. And if we get thrown in that fiery furnace, then we get thrown in that fiery furnace. But know this, that we still won't bow. We'll just be in the fiery furnace. But, you know, in the fiery furnace, there were four people in there, not three. Amen? So no matter what we get into, being that kind of a warrior for the Lord, being that person who God can use to fight those battles. And a lot of those battles are fought in prayer. This is a time when prayer is absolutely necessary for where we are. Uh, I find myself, again, praying in the Spirit when I'm driving my car. That's one thing you can do. You can pray in the Spirit or pray while you're driving your car. Just keep your eyes open. My husband said to me, we went on that trip and we were coming home. He was tired. He said, honey, I'm going to take a little nap. Let me know when we get to 270. But he was driving. I said, uh, maybe you need to pull over. He said, I think I can do it. This is a good car. It, <laughs> his car that God gave him, when you'd cross over any lines outside of the road you're supposed to be on, it, it hits you on your behind. It goes, you know, so you don't even have to, you know, those things that are on the road that do that, that make that sound? Well, we've got it right on our behind. Yeah. He said, I'll know if I go off because it'll, it'll buzz me. I said, pull over. <laughs> then he said, no, I'm okay. I think I can do it. But, you know, uh, <laughs> how many of you know, this, uh, this just comes to me. You know, God is trying to, I've, I've heard this in my spirit. One day I was with my husband. He was talking to a friend, Deborah, down in Indianapolis. And she said, did you get that alert? And I'm looking at him. Now, they love Fox News, and they get alerts on their phone about everything. Thank God Fidel Castro died. All of that horrible stuff that's happened to those people in Cuba. Hopefully, God will raise up someone in that nation, and the people will agree with God and get somebody in there that can give those people a life. Amen. But my husband and Deborah, they're talking about all these alerts. Now, here I am. I'm sitting there listening to all this, and I start hearing, I alert my people all the time, but nobody looks. Nobody's listening. I thought, well, now that's sad. 
you know, maybe God needs to hook up with technology. How would you like to get an alert on your phone that said, this is God. I saw that. <laughs> Repent or else. <laughs> you know, people are worried about God getting them, but it's the devil who will get you when we don't repent. See, God is a warrior against evil, not against people. And the world has got this all wrong. We are warriors not against people, but against powers and principalities that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. That's why God got so upset with his people was because they were looking to people and not to him. And I believe that's where we are in the earth right now. Everything is about what's happening to people. But what we have to see as the church is what is happening in the spirit and take our position and begin to take our stand. Now, sometimes um, you can get in a a place where it's just a dry season. Everybody say a dry season. This is what I want to pray about with you today. Um, Dry seasons are places, you know, like the children of Israel, when they, when you read it in the old covenant, they, you know, they, they were very sad when they were in Babylon. I mean, how many of you know, time out is not fun. If I brought a child over here today and, and, you know, a little one and said, do you like to go to time out? They would not want to go there. And while they're there, they're not happy in there. That's not the idea. But in that place, they were very sad. They didn't get to sing their songs anymore. They didn't have the life that they had when they were doing the things that God asked them to do. Sometimes you get in those places and you can lose your joy and your joy is your strength. Uh, you know, I, I've been in a situation and not, not that long ago where, uh, you know, I just could feel myself sinking. I even said to my husband, I feel like I'm sinking. He said, oh, you're not sinking. You know, Pastor, but you're fine. You're fine. I need you to do this. You know, he always gives me, he's a delegator. He told you that. I'm the delegatee, just want to tell you. Me and Sandy Marshall and whoever else answers the phone. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I was getting weary. Everybody say weary in well-doing. And, uh, you know, I really, uh, yesterday when we were with our friends over in Missouri, uh, God just really spoke to me uh, because my husband began to tell him all these testimonies of things God has done. Now, you know, I don't, in Tulsa, uh, we, we had a group of people that we hung with all the time that were really, I mean, full of faith. I mean, there wasn't anything discussed if it wasn't positive and the word. I mean, we just, I mean, you didn't even say we have a problem. You have an opportunity. That's what we had, opportunities. And so, you know, over time, if you're not in that environment all the time, you can start you know, getting weary. And I, and I listened to him and he was telling all these stories and I watched my four girlfriends. They're all single. And, and they were just like, I mean, they wouldn't stop asking him questions. They were hanging on every word. It was like he came in and watered the garden. I mean, it was just, uh, they were so excited by all the testimonies. And one of them finally said, God really speaks big to you, doesn't he? I think you should lay hands on me before I leave today because she saw the faith. Everybody say the faith. And so, you know, sometimes when you're in that place where it's dry, if anybody says anything that just is a word or a morsel of something that encourages you, it's like life begins to spring back up. And I, and I watched it happen. And I was even enjoying it. I've heard the stories before lots of times. But, 
you know, some of you, some of you are here and say, oh, I've heard him say that before. Listen, don't ever say that. I heard Brother Hagin say, you know, I tell the same stories over and over, but they're there to build faith. And some of the people that are there haven't heard them before. So just endure if you've heard them 16 times or let God do something to you because we need to hear it over and over and over and over. We need to submit ourselves to the word of God. And so uh, I was looking at this story and I'm going to conclude with this and I'm going to pray for you if you're in a dry season. Uh, This is uh, Joel Osteen. We knew his father, John Osteen very well in Tulsa. I mean, not as a person, but we were acquainted with everything he did because he came and spoke a lot. And it says, during the late 1950s, my father was the successful pastor of a large congregation that had just built a brand new sanctuary. It was uh, actually a Southern Baptist congregation because when I started receiving his tapes from his son, when I was in Tulsa as a single mom, uh, he would talk about how he got the left foot of fellowship. You know what that means? He got thrown out because he got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But about that time, my sister Lisa was born with a birth injury, something similar to cerebral palsy. That was one of the darkest hours of my parents' lives. They searched the scripture and their eyes were open to the message of healing. However, now listen to the statement. The idea of contemporary miracle-working God was not well received by the church. Everybody say, too sad. Too sad. And my broken-hearted father eventually had to leave that church and start all over with 90 other people in an abandoned feed store. It was a very dark time. My daddy kept doing what he knew was right. God was preparing him for greater things. I want to finish with this today because sometimes in that dry place, you need to remember there's something really great on the other side of that. And uh, God reminded me of that. And if you lose sight of that, you will lose your hope. And if you lose your hope, you're on a down, downhill slope into trouble. On Mother's Day, 1959, my father and mother opened Lakewood Church in a rundown building with holes in the floor. How many of you know that would not be exciting with 90 people who were what's left? And it goes on for nearly 13 years. That tiny congregation hardly grew at all. It had gone he had, he had gone, oh no, it was an extremely dry season in my father's life. He had gone from speaking to thousands of people to laboring in obscurity. But God was doing a work in my father, and those years were a time of testing. Daddy remained true and faithful in the tough times. God would promote him if he did that, which is exactly what happened. Millions of people have been touched through the ministry of Lakewood Church. Joel Osteen today preaches Lakewood Church. He's He's the son that took the church. But it was his father's beginnings and those tough times in that dry place that brought the promotion. Everybody say the promotion. The promoting hand of God to bring such a great increase for John, the father, but multiplied many times by his son. Amen. God has a plan, but we have got to become the people he's called us to be, and that warrior spirit has got to rise up on the inside of us. We will win. We've already won the final battle, but we will win every battle that we fight on the way there. Amen? Let's stand together today. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for every person that's here. It says we overcome. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, and not loving our lives even unto death. Uh, I want to pray, first of all, if you're in this service today and Jesus is not the Lord of your life,
then you need help from heaven. Because we we only can stand in the world we're living in today with, with any kind of victory if we know Jesus. There is no hope outside of Jesus because we are fighting powers and principalities. Please remember that when you read your newspaper or you listen to television or you get online and look at the web. Please remember that what you're reading is not about people. It's about a warfare of evil versus good. And spiritual people know how to fight that. Natural people are at the mercy of the enemy. He will kill them. He will destroy them. He will lie. People are only aware right now of what they hear from the media. They have to hear from God. So today, if you'll bow your heads, if there's anybody here who does not know Jesus as your Lord.